imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global episode. I'm so excited to be able to introduce to you today Jessa Roebuck. She is the CEO and founder of Vita Loose. And today we are going to be talking about investment funding as a women-owned or women-operated business and some of the unique challenges for women founders and female entrepreneurs. For instance, did you know that only about 3% of companies founded and led by women actually receive venture backing. Now keep in mind that about 40% of all companies are founded by women and they generate 26% greater return on investment than those founded by men. Yet they only receive about 3% of venture backing. So access to capital can be a big hurdle when you're starting building and scaling a business as a female founder. It's the reason that 83% of new businesses tend to rely on personal or family savings of the business owner. So how can you attract investment funding as a women-owned or woman-operated business? And how can you overcome some of the unique challenges for women founders or female entrepreneurs? Well, today we're going to talk about all of that with Jessa Roebuck, the CEO and founder of Vita Loose. Jessa is a visionary entrepreneur who synthesizes a whole lifetime of work into high-impact, mission-driven community building at Vita Loose. She built a foundational approach to holistic wellness through diverse, advanced education. In her role as CEO, Jessa makes strategic growth and development decisions for this newly emerging cause-driven company, Vita Luce. Jessa formulated the company beginning with a core vision to positively impact the world through a reinvention of sustainable communities and green hospitality. Jessa currently sits on the board of the Colorado Restaurant Association Mile High Chapter and actively participates in the Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce many local development committees, and volunteer efforts throughout her community. Welcome to today's program, Jessa. Sure thing. I'm really, it's an honor to be here. It's exciting to have this conversation. Thank you so much. Now, to kick off our discussion, I'd love to hear about what led you to have such passion around developing Vita Loose and having this focus on sustainable uh, communities and becoming such a successful entrepreneur? Well, really, you know, it was a, it's a career long journey. You know, you get to a point in your career where um, you have the ability to start choosing your own direction. And really for me, it was about um, in 2020, I was expecting my first child and it was so important to me to really drive my career in that impact segment and make sure that what I was doing was building a greater world for my child to come uh, than what I inherited. And that 
um, everything I, I really wanted to do was to, to focus on being a positive contributor and a positive actor in the world and to tackle some big issues, um, climate change, food deserts, really where we're going with our um, food supply chain and soil health. Um, there's so many issues that are really deeply interconnected. And to me, the core of it was, how are we building conscious communities that are focused around positive change in the world? Uh, and that's that's where Vita Luce was born. And, um, you know, we really spent a lot of time thinking on a very deep level about the interconnectedness of all of these different industries that affect each other. Um, and there's so many people that build on a development level uh, from a very singular standpoint, which is profit, right? So how are we building profitable communities um, with the highest margins and the most efficient uh, manner and the most cost-effective manner. And when you have that kind of tunnel vision, the problem is uh, that there's a massive environmental impact and that environmental negative environmental impact also negatively impacts the community, the person, the world at large. So it's really about shifting that paradigm and asking ourselves, how can we do it differently? Not just a little different, but how can we do everything in the community differently? So that we're setting up access to sustainable lifestyle, we're setting up access to holistic healthcare, we're setting up access to nutritionally dense food, all of these things as a basic human right within our communities. I love that, Chessa. What an inspirational vision. Now, as you have, as you said, this has been a career-long journey. And as you have stepped into this purpose, this vision, this mission, you of course have hit roadblocks, obstacles, challenges, which is part of the entrepreneurial journey. So what do you think are some of the really unique challenges for women founders and female founders that you have experienced in Vita Luce? So Vita Luce is the first, um, you know, I, I've been on the entrepreneurial side of, of quite a few ventures and um, on the startup side of, of quite a few businesses, but it was the first time for me that I was alone at the final table asking for a large amount of money as a woman alone without a middle-aged white male next to me, frankly. Um, so it was a very different experience. I was getting asked from the exact same funders that I've used for previous projects. I was getting asked a totally different set of criteria and questions, and it was about this totally um, different mindset of a, a female asking for this capital was prove yourself, prove yourself to us that you are not a risk. It was um, such a dramatic difference for me versus, okay, well, we see your model. We're excited about this potential. We believe in that you're capable of doing this as this team, including all of these white males, right? So it was a very um, different reception in the end of well, you need to overcome all of these barriers of entry that I'm establishing for you that have never been there for me before. And then on top of it, you need to prove to me why it is that this model and what you're talking about are even possible in the world today. And then show me all of these metrics of why this might even be substantiated. So it was just such a more um, substantial and massive barrier of entry um, and we're still in that position, right? Like it's been a very long raise, much longer than we anticipated. I mean, throw a pandemic into a huge sustainable startup on top of being a woman founder and 
you know, it's it's a, l a little bit more difficult of a mix. Thankfully, we're progressing really well, and it, and it looks like we're we're almost across the finish line here. But all of that being said, it just it took knocking on a thousand doors for every one that I would before when it was just not just me at the end the, that final table. So, being a female founder, the reception in the capital world is is totally different. You're asked a completely different set of criteria to prove yourself as a worthy business versus already having these um, undertones of coming to the table that you're a successful male in um, an entrepreneurial arena. So therefore you must be credible. It's, it's a very different reception. And on top of it, just general access to capital, um, it's harder to break into those circles. Uh, it's harder to make those connections. It's not something that's handed off to women very easily as far as that good old boy network or, you know, have golf on the weekends with these higher level connections. Um, and I know there's a, I'm making some broad stroke statements there, but it's, it was very obvious to me that my access and um, reception in the capital arena as a solo female founder was totally different than anything that I had done before. And I have been fundraising for seven, eight years with different um, entities and ventures. So it was a very surprising experience to me. And then other than that, it, it's just this willingness from the financial world to look at women as just as viable as men, which you know the data that you spoke about in the beginning, women have a demonstrated career path of increased success over their male counterparts. So, you know, we, we see in the data that women CEO are tremendously successful and they're not a risk. It's actually de-risking by choosing a female. So it's, it's just so why it was so wild to me to come across being looked at as a riskier venture to invest in be, just solely because I'm a woman. And it's, it's this kind of invisible wall that you <laughs> run into and you don't realize it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's so clear. It's in your face that these are the things you're running into. Um, subconscious bias and, and just the way that, that things are framed are completely different. And, and I mean, I, I was getting asked all the time about de-risking, 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 when really what, what we're putting out there has been commercially and successfully achieved in so many other ways in their individual silos, we're just pulling it together in a unique way. Um, so it's not like we're reinventing the wheel or this is you know, brand new technology or we're trying to come to the table and say, hey, wait, we, we have cold fusion. Like, you know, it, it's not something so crazy. It, it's just, it, it's, um, it's unique a little bit in its approach, but all of these things exist already. So to be told that we're, we're this huge risk when there's so much data that proves that this is the, the better way to build. Um, it's, it was a very frustrating experience as a female founder. I bet. And as we talked about, only 2% of companies founded and led by women actually get venture backing. Although 40% of all companies are founded by women and they generate 26% greater return on investment than those founded by men. So the data, as you said, is there, but access to capital can be a big hurdle. So, you know, you've talked a little bit about the inequitable opportunity for female founders raising capital, uh, despite the substantial data that proves that female CEOs can be just as successful, if not more than successful, 
than their male counterparts. What are some of the other um, obstacles or challenges that you have faced as a female founder, as a female entrepreneur, and the advice that you would give our audience members that are entrepreneurs, that are female founders, or that are contemplating um, stepping out and creating something brand new from scratch? What would you tell them? Well, I'll start with, you know, we aside from the inequitable access and that, that frustrating brick wall that you run into as a female founder, um, it's really also this undertone of, of dismissal. Um, you're constantly fighting an uphill battle for establishing your credibility and your worthiness. You know, that, and that comes for everything from partnerships to potential sales pipelines and clients to technical expertise within the industry that you're trying to break into. Because let me be clear, even though what we're doing exists in all these different silos and we're coming in as a de-siloing agent for these eco-agro micro cities that we're trying to put together, no one has thought about this as extensively and comprehensively as Vita Luce has, right? So we are creating a market segment. We are blazing a trail for sustainable uh, new build footprint in the future. So you come into an industry, a male-dominated construction development industry as a female and say, hey, wait, I have a new idea about how we can save the world with what we're, how we're rethinking things. And you can imagine that it's not always the, the warmest reception to that, right? So all of that being said, as far as a setup of, of this uphill battle of establishing credibility, really my advice that goes along with that is to really believe in yourself and know that you are enough. You are enough and have confidence in what you're doing going forward in the world. Um, especially if it's something that you really believe in, if it's mission-based, you know that you're gonna have a positive impact in the world with what you're doing. Stay true, stay true to the course is really my advice specifically there. You know, for female founders, one of the things that's so exceptional about women is that we're wired differently, right? So we think about community first. We think a thousand steps ahead. What is the impact of what I'm doing right now? And how is it gonna affect the world? How is it gonna affect the community? How is it gonna affect my children, right? So that means that we think from a very different level when we're building businesses, because all of that plays into what we're thinking, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to, again, broad stroke or stereotype, but it's very true that I find that female founders bring a sense of self and compassion for the world uh, in a very unique way that I find that male founders, not all male founders, again, I, I, I hesitate because I don't want to stereotype in the same way that, it's, it, that I've encountered, but there's a, a psychological undertone in business that for males, it's the tunnel vision, be strong, you know, be a dominant leader, grow this company, maximize profits, the bigger, the better. And it's, it's really for goes impact, right? And it's, it's a cultural inundation of what these stereotypic roles for men and women should be. And that if a woman is to be successful in business, that they're supposed to also fit that male stereotype as well. When really what women bring to the table is this exceptional ability to think big, to think really about the world, about impact, about others first. And when you build a business that way, as a woman, some unbelievably world-changing things can come of that, right? So the more we fund women, the more we propel females to think as who they are rather than try to fit this mold of, 
of what they're told they should be in the context of a corporate world, the more we're supporting innovative ideas that can make world-changing shifts and solutions on, on very big levels. You know, we're not just saying, okay, how can we, how can we build a community that is, is conscious and it's a little bit better than what's out there? We're trying to say, how can we create a world for our children that is sustainable and that they can be proud of and that they know that they can positively contribute in all of these ways. And on top of it, battle climate change, battle the insufficiencies of, of big ag and big pharma. And you know, how can we create these communities that give a person a chance at generational self-sufficiency over time and, and to know and that they're doing something good for the world and for their families and their community. So it's, it's really just having the confidence in yourself and as a female founder, supporting other female founders, uh, building that community. Um, and again, you know, I can't say those words enough that you are enough. You be confident in the fact that what you're bringing to the world as a woman, as a woman, not as a woman trying to be a man um, or fit that male stereotype, that what you bring into the world is exceptional. I love that. And I love this idea of generational self-sufficiency. What a wonderful term. And, you know, Vita Luce is a great example of comprehensive, holistic thinking. And as you said, Jessa, women are naturally big picture thinkers that create big picture solutions. That's exactly what Vita Luce is all about. Yet the capital world is increasingly divorced from this way of thinking. Um, you know, and I think we've talked about how difficult it is for female founders to get access to the same level of capital as their male counterparts. And all of these factors contribute to almost an inherent disadvantage to female founders, especially when they're looking to raise capital for their company or they're looking for the same sort of advantages and opportunities that men naturally have. So while it's easy to point out and identify the problems, you know, institutional, structural, capital, funding sources, et cetera, it's also important that we focus on finding solutions and creating opportunities for women. So as you have, you know, poured your heart and soul into ensuring that Vita Luce is successful, that it can create a new way of envisioning and bringing to life a generational self-sufficiency within a community, what would you recommend to other female founders um, as they hit the same roadblocks, the same obstacles, same challenges that you have, even outside of capital? Really, you know, I, I touched on it a little bit before. It's, it's creating that community of female founders and supporting female founders. I think Leadership Global is a wonderful example of this. How are we supporting other women? How are we supporting women in leadership roles and growing women and educating women. Um, one of the areas in funding is that women ask for so much less than men. So female founders don't ask big, they don't think big. It's encouraging women to understand that scaling your business globally is okay, it's great, do it, ask for that money. You know, you're raising $5 million almost more difficult than raising $500 million. So, you know, when you're talking about the, the capital arena, ask for the money, put that plan together that really is big picture thinking in the business arena, not just, you know, ideas to change the world. 
So, you know, I would encourage women to actually really ask for more in their raises. Um, I would also encourage women, you know, it's, it's time that we actually start creating our own funding mechanisms for ourselves, right? You know, no one's going to come in and save us. It's up to us to build these structures to support other women, other female founders. Um, it's definitely part of, of our, you know, 20 year plan is making sure that we, we reinvest in ourselves, but also reinvest in all underserved founders. Um, we're, we're seeing that there's this massive sacrifice that we're making because of uh, falling within these traditional institutional mechanisms. And that sacrifice is at the expense of creativity and innovation and thinking about our community first and thinking about how are we healing the planet first. So those aren't things that are marginal. Those aren't things that we can sacrifice for the future of our planet, for our children. So we need to start really investing in these, these groups that are underserved as far as founders, uh, women included, in a very big way. And some of that really means creating our own funding mechanisms and structures that mean long-term support and an actual change in that number. You know, we've been talking about female founders get 2% or 3% of VC money for years now, right? We can't just talk about this is the problem. We have to create real change. And even though we're giving voice to this problem, it's about having platforms that are actual solutions for women, for underserved founders. So how are we creating funds? How are we putting women in the role of being the investor? How are we encouraging women to be investors and to learn about what that means, impact investment um, from a, a, an equitable and inclusive standpoint. So there's also this huge education component for women because we've been so strong-armed out of the investment world of, of being creators of funds, being creators of, of new capital mechanisms. It doesn't always have to be this patriarchal institutional straight line. This is how it's been for 50 years. Those institutions were created by men, for men. So how are we thinking differently? How are we really creating big picture, different solutions for female founders? And it, it, it's the trickle down effect throughout the entire world when we really invest in women and women-owned companies and, and how women think. It's a different world that we're looking at in the future when that starts happening. I love that. And I love the fact that you're talking about different kinds of investments that are available and the fact that we need to unite in an effort to create a receptive, inclusive, and equitable climate for female founders. We need to take responsibility for creating different kinds of investments for female founders. You talked about impact investments, in fact. So, Jessa, tell us, what are some of the different kinds of investments available to business owners and how do they correspond with perhaps the different stages of the business life cycle? What would you recommend that women think about uniquely and perhaps differently in terms of investment if they find that there are doors that are closed to them through traditional pathways? Well, you know, I really would recommend seeking out aligned funding vehicles and mechanisms. So. There are things that exist out there that are based on exactly what we're talking about today, changing the paradigm and really focusing on investing in women, really focusing on, on what it means to grow and scale women in bigger ways. I would give Golden Seeds as a great example of that. Not only do they invest in women, but they grow women businesses, they mentor women founders, um, and they educate women founders as well. So it's 
you know, I think that's one example of, of many that are out there. Um, not enough. <laughs> there are not enough of these um, in comparison of, of traditional vehicles. But I think if you really seek that out, um, there are a lot of vehicles that are starting to come out and, and really expand their funding thesis um, in different ways. One of the things that I think is, is a little bit troublesome in the funding world is as a startup entrepreneur, whether you're a male or a female, you're raising categorically and siloed in all of these different ways. There's pre-seed raises, friends and family raises, then there's seed rounds, then there's series A, then there's series B, then there's series D, and then there's you know follow-ons and add-ons. And there's so many different ways that you're diluted and diluted and diluted as you jump from vehicle to vehicle to vehicle. And what I'm seeing that's unique start to emerge are these funding vehicles that are ver vertically integrated. It's actually one of the vehicles we're having a conversation with right now. And it's, it is a breath of fresh air <laughs> to have someone that understands that every single time you're trying to raise and scrape it together and scrape it together, there is more dilution and it's another person that's taking another chunk of your business. Um, so seeing these vertically integrated funding vehicles come out that say, all right, well, let's take you from step A to step Z, and we're going to do it together and grow you through all these different stages versus having to seek out um, funding for every little little piece here and there. Um, so that's, I would say that's another uh, solution is to seek out vertically integrated funding vehicles. Um, they're very rare, but they're out there for sure. Um, and then also um, really understanding there are, like, even from a brokerage standpoint, look for vehicles that are aligned with your thesis personally as a company. So for us, we are mission and vision based. Um, our, our plan for growth is filing as a public benefit company as well as a B Corp, certain going for B Corp certification. So we know that we want people aligned with the fact that we're cause driven first um, and that you know everything we're doing is centered around our mission and vision as a company. So all of that being said, we really preferentially look for uh, funding opportunities that are impact-based. So there are a lot of impact funds out there, and there are also a lot of larger family funds um, and just in general, even institutions, the Black Rocks, Blackstones of the world, are um, both are taking um, allocations of what they're doing and dedicating it specifically to impact segment and impact projects, ESG, SDG goals, um, or SDG, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so we're seeing these allocations with these larger companies following suit of the, the necessity that we have to think about impact in the world first. It's not just about profits. And we've seen what that's done over the last 100, 200 years in the business segment and what it's done as far as damaging our, our world in all of these ways. So for us to have any sort of tenable future, and for our children and grandchildren and for them to have a world that's even remotely recognizable to them, it is imperative that cause-based, mission-based, change-oriented companies are what comes first in, in the emerging business world. So seeking out vehicles that are aligned with that, I would think is of, of utmost importance as well. And you're hearing more and more about impact investment, right? Mm -hmm. So investment uniquely earmarked for uh, those businesses that are purpose-driven, like Vitaloose. And I think that you're going to see that just explode over the next five years. That's my hope, is that you will see that kind of unique focus on purpose-driven, sustainable businesses 
an investment into those businesses to ensure their growth, to ensure their scale, you'll see that entire segment really explode. And that's my hope. So Jessa, as we're starting to wrap up, two last questions for you. Number one, what is your best advice for those female founders that are actively seeking investment or they're actively growing and scaling their business without investment? What is your best advice for those seeking investment and those perhaps that are beyond seeking investment? They're sustainable, they are growing, they are thriving, they are scaling through their own revenue generation vehicles. And then two, what is your best leadership advice for women who are stepping into their purpose, their mission, and their vision? Sure. Um, so taking that first one, I think it's a little bit different advice for people raising capital versus scaling. Um, raising capital is, it's just such a beast. It's such a beast, as, especially as a woman. Um, so my, I guess my advice there really would be to um, seek mentorship, seek support. Again, you know, I, I can't, uh, recommend leadership global enough in communities like that. Um, it's so important to find that community that nurtures and grows and educates, right? Um, and those resources, seek out the resources. The, the second you think, as an entrepreneur that's raising money, the second you think you know everything, you are dead in the water. You don't. There, there's The investment world is always growing and shifting and changing and um, there's always new connections to, to be made. There's, there's new environments to put yourself into. Um, and every single, every single vehicle wants to see something different out of you. So, you know, it's, it's really difficult to try to meet the demands of, of everything that's out there when, it, you know, it's always changing. It's always growing. Um, so, you know, I really would say seek that nurturing environment to help grow you. Seek mentorship. Um, seek expertise of others that are out there that have been through it. Um, I, I know I myself personally, I really celebrate other female founders, however I can grow them, however I can support them. Um, you know, that's aside from anything consulting, I'll do that myself just of my own free time. How can I help grow you? Um, because it is a gift to the world to get a female founded, founder funded. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I'm all for that type of support. The um, for a woman founder that is running a business that is um, scaling, growing, already has revenue generation. There's a totally different set of mechanism uh, of funding mechanisms out there to help scale. Um, but I, my advice there would be continue to think big. I feel like women reach plateaus and then are just comfortable there, which is fine. I mean, if that's what you where you want to be. Absolutely. You know, your your own comfort level, your own desire for growth um, is the, the first priority. But um, don't be afraid to say, OK, well, I'm growing so much. Let's go global. Let's go national. You know, whatever that is, it's OK to think that way. I think as women, we're, women were taught to, you know, fit in your little box. And that's, that, you know, this is your ceiling. Um, there is no ceiling for you as a woman. And I cannot say that enough. Do not think in terms of the boxes that other people have put you in. So if you are trying to grow and scale your business, um, there is always another step bigger that you could be going and could be thinking. Um, and again, seek out the community that nurtures and supports that growth. 
um, because there's always going to be something that you face that you've never done before that you don't know anything about. But women are brilliant and resilient in so many ways, and we can accomplish it no matter what it is. We can put our minds to it, find the right support, find the right expertise, and get it done. So, you know, I, again, my advice is kind of similar in finding the right community to support yourself, um, but also, you know, don't think small. Think, you know, think think big. There's there's always more ways to grow. Um, and then leadership advice. Um, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to be the type of woman leader that fixes another woman's crown versus pulls it off their head. So, and I know I'm probably butchering that phrase, but support the growth of other women, nurture other women, um, do everything you can to, to act as a, a mentor, to act as a, a support system to other female entrepreneurs. It is not a competition. <laughs> we don't need to knock each other down in order for us to succeed. Co-creation is an amazing thing and it's an incredible gift. So I, I really emphasize that, you know, you're not threatened or jeopardized just because there's another talented, intelligent woman around you. Um, so, and I find that, you know, we have been psychologically pitted against each other in these corporate environments and these, these queen bees that, um, you know, it's only they can survive in this environment. And it is, it's just not the case. You just can't think that way. So it's a lot of retraining ourselves to think about how do I nurture? How do I support? And it's also very inherent to women. But, you know, I know personally from myself, my career, I have been systematically and programmatically taught that, you know, I have to act in this certain dominant way in order to achieve growth. Um, and it's been a lifetime in my a career lifetime path of mine professionally to constantly retrain myself to not be that way. So, you know, I know that I have room to grow always in that area. Um, but it, it's advice I give others, but it's also advice I give myself continually. It is an effort to teach yourself to grow and nurture others over time um, versus what I think, you know, it's been a very systemic problem in the corporate world for women over the years um, that we have been put into this, you know, you have to behave in this way, you have to be, you know, dominant male role as a female to show yourself as worthy in these ways. And it's just, a, frankly, it's a bunch of crap. So I honestly, um, I just can't encourage women enough to, to grow each other and nurture each other, support each other, and to not think that um, another woman is, is a source of threat or competition. So. That would be my advice there. Man, Jessa, what a wonderful way to end this episode. Everyone, that was Jessa Roebuck. She is the CEO and co-founder of Vital Loose, and she is an amazing visionary entrepreneur. If you don't know about Vita Loose, please take the time to look up this incredible incredible uh, community that Jess is building. It's really a new, fresh approach and really a new fundamental foundation to building communities. It's dedicated on this idea of holistic wellness through diverse and through uh, generational sustainable uh, businesses and communities. It's remarkable. Her cause-driven company is emerging, and all of us should take note of 
Vida Luz. It is an amazing vision, incredible purpose. And Jessa, I just celebrate what you are creating. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to have this conversation and to give voice to what's going on for female founders. I'm really always happy to, to speak about it and more so to speak about solutions and to encourage female founders. Thank you, Jessa. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.